I would like to express gratitude on behalf of all Ukrainians uh, for everyone who supports us because we see this support and we feel it. And remember that uh, you can do a lot and you are doing a lot and uh, every minute of volunteering is a great contribution to the better future. It's been more than a month since Ukraine was attacked by the troops of the Russian Federation. Many people fled Ukraine and found shelter in the neighboring countries. Many also moved to other regions of Ukraine that are safer. How is the youth sector in Ukraine involved in supporting both civilians and the armed forces? How are young people involved in organizing and delivering support to the refugees from Ukraine in Moldova? My name is Dariusz Grzemny and together with Tanya Basarab we will be hosting this special episode of the Under 30 podcast brought to you by the EU Council of Europe Youth Partnership. So let's start. Welcome to this special episode on uh, the young people in Ukraine and from Ukraine during these very extraordinary times. We think that the partnership should provide a platform to young people, youth organizations, youth sector to explain what is going on, to discuss what young people are doing both in Ukraine and outside. And to start this series, we have invited today Vasil Shatruk, Mariana Turkan, and together with Darek, we will try to have a conversation about the efforts that youth sector is undertaking in Ukraine, how they are adapting to this very dire war impacting on the 25% of Ukrainian population and also on half of Ukraine's children, which we now know are displaced, and half of Ukraine's children, meaning half of Ukraine's population almost. Hey, Vasily, you are in, in Ukraine now. I think what would be the most interesting for our listeners is to see what is the situation in your perspective, what's the situation with the youth sector in Ukraine. We have a lot of information that a lot of youth centers have been turned into shelters. Some of them were actually destroyed. So what's happening with the youth sector in, in Ukraine at the moment? Okay, you can uh, see nowadays that uh, unprecedented level of volunteering in Ukraine and this tendency started since 2014 uh, since the revolution of dignity and now it turned uh, like a big movement of uh, volunteering among young people and they uh, usually apply to the youth centers also there are some NGOs for example a big uh, amount of volunteers get together at the uh, scout organizations uh, and uh, they help with uh, humanitarian aid. They help to collect this medicine and some equipment for civilians, for armed forces. And uh, this is actually very important as this is uh, a great support and it's uh, like an aspect of uh, civil society, which is very positive, I think. And uh, this was uh, developed throughout these uh, recent years, I believe. And due to 
some uh, projects of the European Union, for example, a lot of people participated in the Erasmus Plus program, some youth exchanges, and they uh, developed their outlook based on the values of the European Union. And uh, therefore, they are very supportive nowadays. And I think also another positive aspect is that a lot of Ukrainian young people are now abroad and they are active in the projects, for example, in Poland and Czech Republic, Germany and other countries. And they also uh, help us uh, as uh, they used to be volunteers of uh, our youth center in, in the past. And they organized some clubs, some activities at uh, our youth center. And now they uh, uh, collect some humanitarian aid and organize some rallies uh, uh, in the countries that they live. And uh, this is very helpful as we have uh, good contacts with them. Actually, recently have been started several hundreds of youth centers. That was like a network of the youth centers. And some of them were like youth clubs or some youth initiatives. Some of them had some official status like municipal institutions. And now they became like a centers of active initiative people which organize this support for people which suffer war in Ukraine. For example, they organize collecting some humanitarian aid or some of them provide space as shelters for some period. And also the volunteers of these centers help the refugees so they turned into the places which uh, are very important in this difficult situation. And uh, it's sad situation in the eastern part that some of them have been destroyed because of missile attacks, for example, in the KU region, Kharkiv, Luhansk region, uh, Chernihiv, the youth centers have been destroyed and that's sad situation. But it's positive that uh, we have uh, contacts with some of the centers uh, in other regions as we communicated a lot, uh, participated in different uh, programs organized by the Ministry of Youth and Sports and other organizations. And uh, we have contacts and we can uh, speak to them and ask what they need and they also call us if they need, for example, there are some refugees that go from that region and we can agree and uh, meet them here and organize. So it's very positive aspect uh, nowadays in terms of communication and uh, support each other. I was going to ask uh, Vasily, Lviv is probably one of the most demanded places at the moment because it's such a crossroad between what Ukraine uh, needs and also a place through which Ukrainians move east and west, mostly west these days. And at the same time, the place which still is able to receive all help. So I was wondering uh, from your perspective and from the knowledge about young people who are in Ukraine and maybe further east, what do you see as their needs, the young people? What do they need um, most at the moment? Mostly the 
biggest needs of young people in the eastern part of Ukraine is, first of all, to get evacuated from these regions because it's very dangerous to stay there. And also, they need some place to stay here, some workplace, and also some psychological assistance. Also, which is a positive aspect that they are very eager to join volunteering here because they understand the situation. They can help us with the logistics. For example, there are some volunteers from Irpin, from Bucha, and they help a lot because they know how to deliver humanitarian aid uh, to that regions uh, and they have contacts uh, whom to give this uh, humanitarian aid and uh, also they stayed uh, some period under the attacks so they know what is most uh, needed but mostly this like medicine and food is the most important and also some of young people uh, need to find some a safe space, I think the majority of them and some of them uh, can stay here, but some of them need to go abroad to have some uh, psychological relax and uh, some assistance. So we also help them to go to other countries, mostly to Poland, because uh, Lviv is close to a Polish border. So that's what are the needs actually. They mostly need support, understanding, and safety. I would like to express gratitude on behalf of all Ukrainians for everyone who supports us, because we see this support and we feel it. And remember that you can do a lot and you are doing a lot and uh, every minute of volunteering is a great contribution to the better future and we are very grateful that you stand with Ukraine and I hope that we will come through this together and uh, we will win and we'll be happy to share this uh, victory with everyone. Thank you, Vassil. Uh, we know what is happening with the young people, with children who are displaced either within Ukraine or outside as well, because many of them became refugees. And there is a big effort from different communities, also from young people and in the neighboring countries of, of Ukraine to actually support not only young people, all people that are crossing the border and entering the new country of destination. So what does it look like in Moldova? What's the, the role of young people in all the support that's provided to, to the refugees uh, coming from Ukraine? Hi, Darius. Hi, Vasil. Hi, Tanya. Thank you for um, having this podcast to reflect, but also to inform the listeners on what is happening in this part of the world. Allow me, before I answer your question, Darius, to just give you a few figures that will allow you to understand who are the refugees at the moment in Moldova, but also who are the uh, people working with these refugees and what's the role of the young people. As of today, we have about 300 60,000 people that have crossed the Moldova since the war began. And at this moment, we have a little bit above 101,000 refugees who are stationed in Moldova. 
out of which half of them, almost 50,000, are children under 18. That's a big figure when we are thinking about who are the refugees that are being hosted in Moldova. And I'm using this word hosted because Moldova has become quite a model in terms of dealing and, uh, with or managing the refugee crisis in uh, worldwide, not only in Europe, simply because almost uh, 90% of the refugees are hosted in Moldovan houses. This means these children and women and refugees are placed within or with Moldovans or are hosted uh, in some apartments that they rent and uh, a less number are present in the placement centers. Obviously, we have a downbreak in, in terms of how many people cross the borders right now. But regardless, if we're talking about these children and young people and women, because like 66% of the uh, refugees that are in Moldova are actually women and young and young girls or young women. So the reason I'm giving you this number is for you to understand what kind of services are there for these refugees. And obviously, it triggers a lot of experts or consultants or teachers working with young people. But also, I must say how wonderfully, I would say, the civil society and youth organizations have engaged themselves into this management of crisis. We're talking about the creation of youth-friendly, child and mother-friendly zones at the placement centers that are managed by both those who give counseling to the women, but also to the youth organizations, youth councils, and other organizations that work with the young people in terms of animating their time or giving them support of, of overcoming the difficultness of both mental and physical difficultness of being already on the Moldovan territory. We're talking about where these organizations support in terms of other services for the mothers and children, whether it's access to medical services. Of course, we have the uh, hospitals that are responsible, but we um, address the young people in order to take those mothers and children, to take them to the hospitals or take them to the embassy to work on their documents. We're talking of so many diverse services. I would call them services, but it's support and help that young people engage themselves. There's a questionnaire going around to ask the young people how are they feeling about this whole refugee status? Are they willing to uh, provide support? Do they find it difficult? None of them complain. And this is what is so amazing. Again, we talk about this as a crisis, but when it comes to volunteers, they see it as a volunteering, as a support given to the refugees, both children and women and peer young people. Maybe I can uh, just add that from our take on it is that there has been a convergence of different services around the, the whole support system for refugees and young people are often these connection points at all stages. But would you have examples, uh, Meg, about what youth organizations do in child-friendly and youth-friendly places? So, uh, indeed, Tanya, as you were saying, we have volunteers from all the ages, from different type of organizations, from community type organizations, from organizations that have put aside their usual work in order to support at the borders, at the placement centers, in uh, providing those services, be it transportation or accommodation or uh, the goods that are being distributed to the refugees. 
But we have an, a huge number of young people, and these are the young people that are able, and let me put it this way, to donate their time, to invest their time in supporting the refugees. The type of activities at the placement centers are just starting with just little small games played with children, because we're talking about mothers that have gone by foot on a long journey. We're talking about mothers and children, both at the same time, that have went through disastrous images in their lives. The sounds of war, they are traveling with them. And uh, we have mothers who are saying that their kids cannot sleep at night because they're still hearing those uh, horrifying sounds from home. So in order for the mothers to be able to access counseling and have a bit of you know rest from the long trips we provide the kids the youth organizations are there the youth councils as i said and and larger organizations that work with young people like terre de Zome, uh, national youth council of moldova organizations that work with non-form education they provide little games it can be drawings it can be anything that uh, would provide the children the time to have activities while mothers have a bit of rest. But when it comes to elder generations, if they are enrolled in school, then they attend classes. And at the same time, we know of organizations that want to provide the youth, uh, Ukrainian youth or other nationalities that are here as refugees, to provide them with different trainings on certain topics. And this is amazing, again, because we want these children to feel that they're not missing on their classes, that they can use this time not as um, only being serviced, but also to continue their learning, to see this as a, as a uh, productive period of time, I would say. Thank you, Mariana, for, for this. It has been observed or seen in, all, I think, all neighboring countries, this kind of common action that was saw at the first days, actually, when when the war began and then people started to cross the border, that there's this joint action of young people, all people of all generations started doing something, you know, sometimes not knowing what they have to do at first. And then the action became more and more coordinated. So I think uh, that's very uplifting, as you said, because this is really extraordinary. Uh, you, you were talking about the, the big role of volunteers, the big role of people of different ages and especially young people as well in supporting mothers, young people who are coming from Ukraine. Are there any systemic changes or, that are kind of responding to the needs of refugees that are coming to, to Moldova? I mean, what is the response when it comes to schooling, when it comes to, to other aspects that are important for people, for young people as well? Darish, I think this crisis has uh, pivoted or has pointed out how solidarity works in a crisis moment. And uh, having this said, I would like to point out how amazing was to notice that, you know, organizations that represent different faiths, be it uh, a Christian or Jewish or Muslim, have put themselves together to support the refugees, regardless of their religion. We've also noticed how many ethnic organizations, representatives of these ethnicities in Moldova have helped different third country nationals, not only Ukrainians that have crossed the borders and, and are stationed in Moldova. This is remarkable to show that solidarity in a war crisis did not choose um, religion or status of uh, social status. In that fact, it has showed that solidarity can be performed through concrete actions. And the moment I mentioned that it's mostly young people, simply because we're talking about people who had the time to donate, again, 
their time. In, 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 in terms of how we know of the needs of refugees, be it whether it's in education or goods that are, be, uh, are there to be uh, distributed or whether they need uh, transportation or they need medical assistance, because we know of so many cases because there is a call center hotline that is being managed by the government at this moment. There is a platform that is uniting many other organizations that work in a special room here in the government, but it's a civic platform of many other organizations that have more than 3,000 uh, volunteers. And I'm not counting the ones that are at the borders at this moment and many other platforms that are here. The reason I'm calling for this platform because this platform of youth or volunteers are united with the call center and with the crisis unit here in the government to make sure that all the requests for help are united and put together in an organized way. The reason for that is not to double, but also not to miss out requests coming from diverse groups or regions and so on. Obviously, all these response mechanisms are there on different platforms. There is a dopomoha.md, which is an online platform run by Moldova for Peace, which is the volunteering or civic engagement platform. But also there is dopomoha.gov.md, which is a, a, a governmental platform that unites a lot of other services and other info points for the refugees, but also for the uh, Moldovans and for the other organizations that want to provide support. It's amazing to see that it's not, again, it's not about age, but it's about how we can put together the requests for help, the requests to help, because it's both, in a, in a channeled and organized way. Obviously, we're not saying we're doing the best at the moment because every week we're still improving on the platforms. And I know it has been a month since the start of the war, but to me, it seems like 10 years, simply because every day in itself is already a month in terms of how fast we work on the mechanisms and we have changed the mechanisms along the way in order to shift them or uh, put them at work and take into consideration the requests and the reality. We didn't have a manual. We simply did not have a manual on how you deal above refugees or how you deal about a war. So the mechanisms and the tools have been developed and remodeled along the way as it happens. Yeah, maybe it's worth emphasizing that although Moldova has a frozen conflict with some foreign troops stationed also in Transnistria, the actual experience of welcoming and taking care in shifts, but also for long term, of such a big number of refugees is something that it's an experience that is happening now. And that is why it's very interesting, this whole convergence of initiatives through this civic platform, Moldova for Peace. I am, of course, observing it from the outside, but it's very interesting. Indeed, Tanya, following on what you said, most of the foreigners who are not well informed about this region are asking how come the Moldovans are uh, taking in their house foreigners, strangers. Moldovans do not think of Ukrainians as foreigners or strangers. We have a one language, politically but non-politically, a Russian language is a communication language in between the Ukrainians and Moldovans. Uh, Ukraine and Moldova has never been at war. We have uh, a shared history in the Soviet Union. However, to make the best of it, people saw this on a solidarity, not political, but solidarity, uh, momentum of supporting each other. We have amazing, and I have to say this, I'm proud of, of the government that it has put in place 
and it has adjusted the legislation that children can enroll in schools and we already have successful cases of children who are enrolled in Russian and Ukrainian speaking schools and lyceums. We are uh, weekly in touch with and communicating with the Ministry of Education from Ukraine and classes, online classes are still provided by the teachers and schools from Ukraine to the Ukrainian children here in Moldova. And this is amazing because we want to make sure if in a specific village or region where preponderantly people speak Romanian, the Ukrainian uh, refugees can access online classes provided by Ukraine. And this is, again, a very am amazing momentum. And another momentum to be shared is that we have been involving volunteers Ukrainians who are here and the platform Moldova for Peace, we have Ukrainian women that are volunteering and uh, are helping us in communicating with other refugees. And one important part, which I think is enabling the more cohesion, social cohesion in Moldova, is the fact that refugees can actually employ themselves. They, they can find a job. And we already have wonderful, amazing stories of how Ukrainians and other nationalities that are here as refugees already work for different companies and organizations. And this shows that, you know, social cohesion can happen during these uh, crisis times and that the refugees are not marginalized, but they are able not only to be hosted by Moldovans, but become part of the Moldovan society in a solidarity with the Moldovan counterparts here. One more question. I was the other day at the train station where here in Poland, there is a, a lot of volunteers who are actually helping people who are arriving in my city by train. And I was talking with the young volunteers and I asked them, how do you keep yourself going? How do you keep your spirits up? And they basically told me there are two things. One thing is that they don't have time to think about it. Uh, they just act. And the other thing is that they say we are actually mobilizing our colleagues, our friends. And so every day when they have a moment that is free, they are recording stories, their stories, what they experience and what it gives them. And they put it over on the social media. And it was really interesting to see how they do it. There were people in the age of 15, 16, 17, and they were really very um, involved in what they were doing. So how is it in, in Moldova? How people get going? You know, how do you keep your yeah. energy up? That is, that's an amazing point uh, that you have pointed out. Indeed, the young people do not need a lot of other mechanisms to speak. There's social media, any type of social media, be it with videos on Instagram and uh, TikTok, or be it long messages with pictures on Facebook. It's amazing to see how young people bring their friends and colleagues into these actions. It's already a month, and I must tell you, we want to avoid that, you know, this solidarity or generosity or hospitality is turned out into burnout because we're talking about people who are involved not only physically to support but emotionally right and and we do not want the, to exhaust people in that sense and as you're saying we've been offering counseling and debriefing i don't know different methods for the volunteers they keep telling us we don't have time for that now it's time to act like they are afraid to rest a bit in order to be there to help. But I must tell you that one of the um, 
positive uh, outcome of this uh, whole situation is how young people put at work their competences, their skills. One thing is to write it down a CV. One thing is to actually learn how to do social work. But it's completely, it's a complete different story when you actually put at work these competences. And we've seen students from different faculties that uh, allow them to do volunteering as a practice, like social work, as I mentioned earlier. We've seen uh, young people coming, just like you said, whether it's high school or, you know, it's not for the CV, but it's like a base of training their uh, skills. And it's amazing to see that young people see this as a support and less than a development process. But I will point this out as a person working with young people, that this has been quite a learning experience for the young people themselves, indeed. So from what I have heard from uh, both of you, it seems that at least young people and young volunteers are very present. Uh, They are very much acting as these kind of intermediaries the centers have turned into, and also youth clubs and youth centers in Moldova, they've turned into logistical centers for receiving, maybe just for short term, overnight, two nights, for helping people with their paperwork, for helping them uh, for further referrals. There is a lot uh, of what I heard around general organization behind. And to that extent, I would say that It's not for nothing that this investment in building organizations and building civil society, youth civil society has been there for a long time. We know in Ukraine, there was this big program about to support 260 youth centers. These centers are critical humanitarian uh, aid centers and coordination centers. And also from what I heard from both of you, there is a need for at least a European youth sector to think about these longer term perspectives for young people and for people in general from Ukraine and for the mental health support. So we will try to do some small part and small contribution from our side. We hope we can highlight more of these kind of initiatives, both always from inside Ukraine and from the neighboring countries. And um, we will try to see what type of um, guidelines and maybe better mapping of the realities, better research can be done that would not be a burden for uh, the volunteers, but that would be helpful for the sector as such. Thank you both for finding time. We know you are very busy with quite urgent things, but we think it's very important that people hear from you directly what is going on, and then maybe they will connect to you. The refugee crisis and everything that is happening in Ukraine, a European crisis, because these are refugees that are going to enter the other countries. We need the attention of the European and international institutions in addressing the needs of the refugees. But also, we're talking about the countries like like Moldova, and I am a citizen of this country, and I work for the government in this country. We're a small country with limited resources, and when it comes to work with refugees, there needs to be a wholesome answer to the needs, not only of the refugees who are stationed here. So we're talking about education, we're talking about the economy, we're talking about social cohesion, we're talking about so many other um, areas, you know, to mainstream, where we see, again, the the key word is cohesion, this social cohesion of the refugees on the territory of Moldova, or be it on the territory of Romania or Poland 
or um, Hungary, any other country. We're talking about these people who can be part of the societies where they are and not put aside with the label of refugee and, and separated. So this needs to be addressed with concrete mechanisms, with concrete, and I will allow myself to say money that makes these mechanisms supported and obviously with concrete expertise that is adjusted to the reality in this part of the world. As I said, the refugee model in Moldova does not answer to the usual ones, but having people, just like in this podcast, we're discussing how we take into consideration the realities of this phenomenon here. Thank you. Thank you, all of you, for being here. The, the war is, uh, yeah, it's over a month now. It's more than a month. So the needs are still there and the needs may be growing and they also may be changing because of the changing situation as well. So we have to be very attentive as well. But I think what we discussed as well before that was very important and all this at first, and I think it still will be valid all the time, is the solidarity that is a driving force actually for everything that is happening either in Ukraine, because there's a lot of Ukrainian young people supporting the people who were misplaced in the country and they need support there and outside Ukraine, mainly in neighboring countries and other uh, European countries that are welcoming people who are forced to leave the, the country. So thanks a lot for this. Mm-hmm.